Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, welcome back. It seems like we just talked to each other a couple days ago. I know. Um, time flies. Oh, wait, time we flies. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked to you early in the week as Isaias had finally made its way north into Canada. And so we'll quickly recap that. Um, again, came ashore in North Carolina. Central pressure wasn't anything really that impressive. I think 989 millibars. So I have to go back and look at my notes. But yeah, 989 millibars. Uh, sustained winds 80 miles an hour when it came ashore. So not too bad for a little storm that could. Right. For his little wishy-washy up and down. Maybe I'll be a hurricane. Maybe I won't be a hurricane. Right. Figure it out. <laughs> make up your mind <laughs> he tried yeah so again uh 980 sorry 988 cat one uh sustained winds 85 miles an hour came ashore ocean isle beach north carolina but the fun thing that we have now seen a couple post days after are some of the stats and yes. that includes the fact that there were more than 100 tornado warnings issued due to isaias wow. And a majority, if not all of them, were in the area that's considered to be the right front quadrant. Yes, classic. That's the most dangerous part of the storm. It's the strongest part, and it's the part that produces the severe weather. Yep. And, you know, you looked at the way that this thing came ashore. The wind shear mm-hmm. was favorable. The storm motion was favorable. Uh, so, yeah, we're not we are not surprised that there are, were 100 you know, tornado warnings with Isaias. And you said that uh, you guys had sent some people from Oklahoma City to help restore power. Yes, our major energy electric company out here is called OG&E, and they sent 65 people, I think, to New Jersey specifically to start restoring power. And I want to say there was, I think I read 3 million people without power, but I could be totally wrong. But I know I saw the word million. Right. I love the fact that your company is called OG&E. I know. I don't know what it stands for. Oklahoma General and Electric, I'm guessing. But why is the and in there? I don't know, because I'm sure that OGE is taken up with something else. Yeah. Like here, Our gas company is O-N-G. N as in the letter N, not N as in and. So it's kind of confusing. Well, I bit. believe that's probably Oklahoma Natural Gas. Yes. So why is it called OG&E? Let's look it up because <laughs> because we like electricity here on B squared. Apparently we do. Oklahoma OG&E. Remember the Southwest Power Pool? That's Oklahoma Gas and Electric. That's what it is. Oh, there you go. Weird. Well, like out here in the Pacific Northwest, we have PGE, which is Portland General Electric, which oh. is not confused to be. You know, or which is not to, meant to be confused with PG&E, the idiots in California that start wildfires because their equipment is crappy. <laughs> wow. That's a joke, but 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PG&E is the power company in California that um, has way too many issues. And that's Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Um, it's, you know, the utility that, that services most of California. But, yeah, these are the guys that have had uh, some severe issues. <laughs> with not shutting down power lines when it gets really windy and their equipment is faulty and it fails and a power yes. line falls and sparks a fire and we have covered that extensively on this show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. OG&E, PG&E, PGE, OGE. Um, it's all about TLAs. We're all about the three-letter acronyms. <laughs> it's all about G's and E's, really. Like That's, it, that's true. Really it's all about important. gas and electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, we in the weather community, we love acronyms, right? Oh, yeah. NWS, WSR, GOSE. I mean, we, we can roll down the list. WRF, uh, GFS, all of the acronyms. HRRR. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. TORCON. SPC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of the above. All of the above. Um, so Isaias cranked out some storms, uh, mm-hmm. small lived some damage to it. Uh, I saw on Twitter, a guy I follow is a TV host, Lee Diffie, who works for NBC sports North or NBC sports, uh, network. He and a bunch of guys in the neighborhood had to help clear like streets. And he says, you know, tornado comes through. So all the dads grab their chainsaws. <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice but sometimes you just have to mm-hmm. hopefully they did it safely and with no you know falling wires around but i digress there um another thing that you know not necessarily du- directly linked to isaias but when the storm moved through it kind of recharged the atmosphere mm-hmm. and you know like i said we put down some tornadoes but speaking of tornadoes up in canada yesterday they had a couple pretty Intense ones. And yes. uh, we retreated on our page at Weather Podcast. A couple of, uh, one stovepipe tornado that was absolutely beautiful near Verdon, Manitoba. If you have not seen it, go check it out at Weather Podcast on Twitter. Uh, man, th- these tornadoes were picture perfect. So picture perfect. And I mean, there was some really good close up video of yep. these storms. Like Canada really got it. So. Good for Canada. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, the one tweet that I'm looking at right now from Aaron J. Jack, um, who we do follow, this guy is literally you know, talking to the camera. Homeboy looks like he hasn't had a haircut in probably four months. <laughs> looks like he hasn't shaved in about four months, but he's all amped up for this. Hey, none of us have had a haircut in four months. Okay? I've had three. Okay, well, great. I've had... None. I have an underground barber. It's called My Little Sister. Oh, nice. That's the way to do it is family. It is. It really is. But, yeah, go check that out again at Weather Podcast on Twitter. Um, Before we jump into our favorite segment, which is let's talk about random stuff. (laughs) Uh, One thing that did come out of Isaias and the fact that we had talked about how quickly we had gotten to the I letter in the hurricane season is our friends at NOAA have released an updated hurricane season outlook. So you have the new one 
I have the old one, so let's take a look and compare notes. All right. You want to start with the old or the new? Let's start with the new. Okay. So the new, the biggest change is the named storms, which they have now 19 to 25, which will include three Greek letters, I believe. Possibly, yes. Hurricanes, 7 to 11, and then major hurricanes, 3 to 6. So they've upped the ante on all of those, basically. Right. So the 2020 original outlook called for the 70% probability for each of the following range. 13 to 19 name storms. Well, we've blown past that. Yeah. Okay. 6 to 10 hurricanes. Well, I'm no mathematician, but I think we're pretty close to that, too. Right. And 3 to 6 major hurricanes. That, like you said, has not changed. But, Bonnie, if we do get to the Greek alphabet... And again, it is a little ways away, but this would just be the second time in history that that's happened. Wow. And people are asking, well, what do you mean the Greek alphabet? So the tropical cyclone name for 2020 was, I'm doing the math in my head. There are officially 21 named, or sorry, 18 name storms, uh, 21 name storms. So we don't use certain letters of the alphabet. There's no X. No Q, no, no Z. No U, right? Oh, okay. What about U? Uh, there's no U. Yeah. Yeah, so let me see. So 6, 12, 18, and 3 is 21, and there are 26, so five letters. So no five letters. So no U, Q, uh, Z, Y, and whatever. An X. An X. So in the event that that happens, then we go forward to the Greek alphabet. So it would be alpha beta and gamma so we have josephine is next up on deck followed by kyle laurel or laurel laura see isaias has screwed me over now because i'm just like oh these names are just gonna be super hard to pronounce (laughs) kyle laura marco nana can't wait for nana it's gonna be awesome omar paulette ren sally teddy vicky wilfred and then if we do get to the greek alphabet uh it's alpha, beta, gamma, as we said, and we're only one, two, three, six, twelve. We're basically thirteen name storms away from reaching that point. And we've talked about how obviously the Greek letters can't be retired. So if we do get there, and one of those is a major hurricane, would it just be denoted by the year? Yeah, I think it'd probably be like alpha. If it was a major hurricane, it'd be like alpha twenty twenty, which would be so twenty twenty. <laughs> right. Um. So. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the protocol. So we'll see what happens once we get to that point. But, man, talk about, you know, the craziness that is. Well, right now, though, we're kind of in a lull on both sides, Pacific and Atlantic. We are. And so right now in the Atlantic, there is one area that they are looking at. It's nothing. And I say that, and I'm not joking. A tropical wave associated several hundred miles southwest, southwest of the Cabo Verde Islands is producing a few showers and thunderstorms. Environmental conditions have become less conducive for development, and the system is no longer anticipated. So formation through 48 hours is zero. Formation through day five days, zero. So the Atlantic is quiet. And again, now this is the time of year where we start looking for storms just forming to the east of the Lesser Antilles over mm-hmm. the Bahamas into the Gulf of Mexico, that's kind of the hot spot. 
Now, the Eastern Pacific, a little bit different story. There is a very strong tropical wave. Uh, recent satellite-derived wind data indicates that the low-pressure system located 200 miles south-southwest of Acapulco has become better defined since yesterday. Thunderstorm activity continues to show signs of organization, and a tropical depression is likely to form in the next day or so while the system moves west-northwest, remaining well offshore of the coast of southwestern Mexico. Formation chances through 48 hours is 80%. Formation chances through five days is 90%. So that area does look pretty impressive. You can go look at the satellite and you can obviously see that there is a tropical depression very close to forming, if not has already formed. So we're going to look at that. And again, this thing's just going to move to the west, northwest. It's going to affect maybe a couple of little islands off of the coast of Mexico that are way, way out there. But as of right now, uh, nothing to worry about. And then the Central Pacific is dead quiet. So that's good. We'll take it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, but the fact that the outlook has changed despite the quietness right now just right. means, hey, this is like a calm before a storms. You know, like I just feel like this is a little bit of a lull, but we're only, what, halfway, not even halfway through the season. So right. there's time. No, I'm right there with you. And again, we talked about how we kind of go in these waves, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're just like, eh, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, boom, we pop five, six, seven storms. Well, I feel like that's happened like a few times already this season is we've said something on the podcast. Right. And then the next day, like one or two areas pop up. So right. it really is just an overnight kind of a change. So, Or it's the fact that we are not controlling the atmosphere. Right. Little does everybody know it's us. <laughs> I'm here hitting, hitting the button. More storms. Yes. More storms. And I've got the joystick controlling the direction. Yes. Yes. Into Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm trying to take out Texas and also Florida, which is the United States uvula. So I'm just trying to get that out of there. Uh, understandable. Well, so here's. Yeah, we won't go into that. We won't go into that. <laughs> I would say they become the COVID hotspot, but as of recently, they're not anymore. So, right, other places are the hotspot. Yeah, which is very strange, but yeah. oh well. We're trying to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will make it through. Um, so we've had storms, we've had hurricanes, mm -hmm. but other than that, it's. It's relatively quiet. I know you guys are heating up. The Southwest, again, is heating up. It's, you know, the middle of the dog days of summer. But I cannot believe how quickly, I don't I don't want to say the last two months, but maybe the last three months have really flown by. I agree. Like, it's already August. The new semester is starting, and, like, it's just already August. Right. And, again, I know that I've joked, and I've said it to you and a hundred other people, and they're probably tired of hearing it, but... You know, you look at what we've gone through, and it's a rinse and repeat every single day since March for some of us. Mm -hmm. But it's August. You know, it's yeah. it's summer. You know, we technically go into fall in less than a month. <laughs> and to me, that blows my mind because, yes, I get we've most of us have been home or those of us that have had to work have continued to work and we've had to kind of live life on this weird like paradigm shift. Right. Yeah. And now that, you know, time, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to realize, Oh my gosh, it's August. Oh my gosh. It's going to be September here in the very near future. 
we're just so we're just so I don't know. It seems like it's we, weird. It is because weird. it feels like our lives have stopped because they have because right. everything's changed and things closed. But like our lives stopped in a way, but time didn't. So it's just like a very weird concept to think about because things feel like they've stopped, but they haven't really stopped. It's so it's just weird. It's just very weird time that none of us have actually really experienced. But imagine if we were going through this back before there was anything like smartphones and TV and internet and streaming and all those things and all these different services that deliver all of your products, you know, it would be 10 times worse than it is because people would have nothing to do. How would you get your groceries or all these other things that you can get delivered or that you can just order online and pick up at the store? Like, you know what I mean? So all the advances we have have really made this crazy time bearable. Oh, it's true. It is true. You know, I'm thankful for the podcast that you and I get to hop on here and tape stuff and talk about weather. A friend of mine asked me the other day, he goes, how do you talk about weather for so long? Oh, it's easy. I'm like, oh, I, we could easily go for hours and hours and hours. It doesn't get old. It doesn't. And everything's constantly changing. I mean, we could talk about cloud formations and we could talk about fluid dynamics within a cloud or within the atmosphere or any hundred of number of other things. So... You know, it's not anything that's a burden or a job or anything. We thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, we talk about technology. I'm looking at, um, I'm about to retweet this now. Um, there's a gentleman, again, Aaron J. Jack. Debris gouging in the field east of the farmhouse that was hit by a tornado yesterday in Manitoba. Drone video shows the size of the tornado's strongest winds. Shot moments that the tornado passed after calling 911. And he's talking about just using drone technology, okay? It used to take Dr. Theodore uh, Fujita days to rent a plane, get up and fly over, and take aerial footage of damage, right? Yep. That was the first way that we kind of understood that we could rate a storm by how much it eats or how much damage it does. Mm -hmm. Now we're launching drones either simultaneously as the tornadoes are happening or like this video said, within moments after it passed. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know if you want to call it the human resilient spirit, but I, I'm going to go with that. We have a tendency to want to clean things up pretty quickly. You know, we like that sense of normalcy. Okay, yeah, we just got hit by something. Okay, we're all alive. Great. Uh, everything intact. Okay, cool. Let's rebuild. Which yes. Which is great. So, you know, that's <laughs> that was one thing that I learned watching that documentary about uh, Dr. Fujita, that people would quickly start to clean up after storms and would kind of hamper his efforts to do a, an effective storm survey. So it's kind of like when the bad guy cleans up the crime scene, like you right. lose some of your evidence and you lose some of the real picture of what actually yep. happened. Yep. No, totally. Totally. 100%. 100%. So, you know, technology is great and we have spent a lot of time, you know, getting to, you know, maybe know your roommates or your family a lot better or, yeah. you know, avoiding people because of COVID restrictions. With that said, I think a lot of stuff will of good will come out of this. I agree. So, 
I yeah. agree. I think a lot of lessons will be learned. A lot of new advancements in, in everything will be had. I think a lot of companies are realizing, wow, we can actually do this from home so we can right. save an overhead and all of that. Like, so, I mean, there's just a whole lot of good that will come out of this. It's just going to take time to see all of that good. No, I, to- I totally agree with you 100%. So, you know, I, I just find it interesting sometimes that we are so quick to jump on, you know, X, Y, or Z on something, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those things where I, again, I think it will for the common good will be much better. So. Yeah. Well, and it's human nature to see the negative in something first. Right. And then dwell on it and then get discouraged and upset by it and not be able to see past it and there's plenty of negative obviously that's going on and there's a lot of things that have changed for the not so good but you know try to keep your eye on the end of the tunnel here that we will get through this and we'll be better for it we just got to get there that's all yeah it's very true it's very true now weather wise you know we've sat there and we have talked a lot about advances in technology and we're thankful for it And, you know, I know that the GFS has gone through another revamp, so hopefully we will get new information on that very soon. And from what I have read about it, that every run will produce like a 30-day outlook, Wow, which is pretty awesome. So I'll take that Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe it will help long-range forecasting accuracy in the end. But I'm glad that, you know, we're putting resources, time, and money finally into the things that those of us in this community have been screaming about for a very, very long time. Yes. I mean, if we can advance in technology and stuff, then we need to because we need to be able to track things better, predict things better, warn people better. You know, like weather's not an exact science and not everything is known. There's millions of things that are yet to be discovered and understood. So the more research, the more advancements we can get, the better. That's it. It's it's good. Nothing bad is right. possible. Do you know what I'm saying? No, totally. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, I know a lot of us are, you know, anxiously waiting for the college football season to possibly start. Right. Yeah. And you know that is still way up in the air. There's still a lot of things that are to be decided. I know a couple conferences have said we're going to go ahead and attempt to play the schedule, but without fans in the stands. Yeah. Which, okay, I I get, I totally understand that. But with that said, it's going to be weird, right? You know, those of us that love college football and go to games, you know, we're going to be getting up on Saturday mornings and, well, our teams are still going to be playing, but there's there's not going to be anybody in the stands. Or there'll be people that are kind of lingering outside the stadium. But it's just going to be, it's going to be weird. You know, it's just going to be weird. And I get that that's making a lot of people upset. But if we can just grin and bear it for one season, then maybe things will be back to normal next season. Right. You know, I know that it's hard to look that far ahead, but missing one season of getting to physically go to the games is not the end of the world. Right. Right. And so if we if we have to give up, you know, a season, fine. But, you know, if we... My whole fear is that we are all relying too deeply on the thought that a vaccine will save us. Right. And it, it, it very well could. 
It very well could. And I know that everybody, you know, the, the big the big line the last couple of days is, well, COVID will never really go away. Well, duh. Right. The flu never really goes away. Right. But- and we get strains of this all the time. But, you know, I don't ever foresee us again doing this massive shutdown or whatever we want to do, whatever you want to call it, based on a different strain of the same thing. Right. Because we, we just don't. And again, I understand that models and predictions are running rampant out there. Uh, you know, there. I heard a news story this week where I, I literally had to laugh. And I, I wasn't doing it to be mean or anything. But they're like, a highly reliable model said that this is going to be the outcome. Really? <laughs> this is the same exact model that said, you know, deaths in the U.S. would be somewhere north of a million. And then they revamped it, and they're like, oh, well, it's going to be 500000 and then it's going to be 300000 and then it's going to be 150000 and now it's back up to three. I'm like, you can't say something is highly reliable or highly trusted when you have to keep rerunning it time and time and time again to get the different outcome. Well, but I also think part of that is rerunning it with new data. Like, Well, okay, sure. Well, absolutely. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. But you can't call something highly accurate or highly reliable when every time you run it, you get a different solution. That's what a model is. It's a prediction. It's not a guarantee. And I think way too many times certain members that don't or certain members of the press or the public that don't understand how numerical modeling works. Yeah. Take it as, you know, biblical truth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you sit there and you're just like, hold up here. This is not this is not the way it works. A model is only good based on the information it has. Okay? Right. And at the time, saying that it's going to cost a million lives was scary. Okay? Because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But obviously, we're now, what, five months, six months into this pandemic on the U.S. side. We're coming up on about nine months, ten months in China. Saying there's going to be a million deaths, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a bad look. So. Well, I just, you know, I, I think that I don't know enough about how to predict right. a pandemic or the spread sure. or the death rate is all that to make any sort of comment. But I think that the bottom line in all of this is we all have to work together as one group sure. of people in the same country to just try to get a handle on it. So if that means wearing masks for a couple of weeks when you go out, then just do it. Yep. Cuz it's not a big deal. And then you, we could be being asked to do much worse than we could. just wear a mask. No, I agree with you. You know, there's still a lot out there that we have to figure out. Yep. I'm just saying that sometimes we rely too heavily on these forecast models to you know, say what's really going to happen. So again, take it with a grain of salt. And again, everything changes on the amount of data, but everything really changes with us. You know, what happens when we wear masks? What happens when we follow public direction? And, you know, I get it. We all are tired of it. We all want to be out and about, you know, I work in a bar. We close at 10 o'clock every night and people, you know, consume alcohol. And when people consume too much alcohol or too, or alcohol quickly, you know, Certain decisions are made. And I had a girl who used to be one of my coworkers who was now one of our regulars. And, you know, we have certain restrictions on what we can and can't do. And, you know, I felt bad talking to her. And, you know, she goes, I'm just so frustrated. She pulls off her mask. And I'm like, this is why 
we have to close at 10. This is why we have restrictions because people are, I get it. We're tired of it. Nobody wants to do it. Right. But if we can do it for just a little bit longer. And again, I hate saying that because we don't know really how much a little bit longer is. But if we can do it for just a little bit longer, we're going to be okay. So let's just. I completely agree. Yeah, let's just wait. You know, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do or you got to do uncomfortable things to make a change or to make progress. And that's all that this is. So, you know, let's just power through. Right. Together. Right. I I completely agree. I completely agree. Now, on the weather side, when we come to models, you know, that's a different story because now we're looking at factors that we can't control. We can't control temperature. We can't control, you know, how much precipitation is in the air. We can't control any of that. So. Those models are, again, highly reliable and relatively good predictors, but they're not gospel. Right. And it's for the same reason we talk about all the time. It's because we don't have every square inch of the atmosphere covered with some sort of instrumentation to measure what's happening there. Exactly. So that's the reason why they're not 100% perfect 100% of the time. Right. And again, we talked about it on the show earlier this week. You know, the false readings from Kennedy Space Center where they had, you know, a wind gust to like 11,000 miles an hour. Oh, I totally believe that was real. While no. <laughs> while relatively cold, too. And, you know, the temperature at the time apparently was 33 degrees. So that wind chill would have been, you know, quite, quite cold. That would have been cold. I would have to do the math. I'd have to, you know, break out a scale. And I think we'd be talking about Calvin at that point. So... Have you seen the wind chill equation? It's like two lines long. Yeah, it is. It's insane. It's it's ridiculous. But hey, whoever came up with it, you win because there's no way I could have come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor wanted to. Right. And isn't, you know, I believe the term relative humidity and wind chill fall under the same category as important, but really not meteorologically important. Right. Like they don't really influence if we're going to get storms or not or whatever. But it's still important to know that, yeah, it's 20 degrees outside, but when the wind blows, it's going to be 11 and that's not going to feel good. Right. And so it, it's it, like important, but not. Right. And I, people are like, well, what do you mean relative humidity is not important? It's very important, but you have a dew point temperature and the dew point number is the more important number than the percentage of humid of relative humidity in the air. Right. Because the relative humidity is just a number of comfort. Same with wind chill. So. Exactly. And heat index. Right. But heat index is a little more important because heat index can actually like hurt you. And you know what sure. I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. No, 100%. 100%. So again, things, you know, little things that we think about here on the show, we're like, hmm, is this important? Yes. Is it really important? Yeah, Maybe. But then I wonder who was sitting around going, hmm, it's 25 degrees out here, but it sure feels like 20 when the wind blows. Like, you know, like who right. came up with the fact that that could be a thing, that it could feel a different temperature than what it actually is based on wind or humidity in the air and that kind of thing. So that's just very interesting. A lot of smart people had to come up with this stuff. So, you know, it, I just to think about that next time you get mad that forecast didn't pan out the way that it was predicted to well i will tell you paul allen or paul allman siple and charles f passel worked on uh, working in the antarctic before the second world war 
develop the first windshield formulas and tables for the National Weather Service in the 1970s. They're based on the cooling rate of a small plastic bottle as its contents turn to ice while suspended in the wind on the expedition hut roof at the same level as the anemometer. The so-called windshield index provided a pretty good indication of the severity of the weather. In the 1960s, the wind chill became, uh, was first reported as a wind chill equivalent temperature, or WCET. Again, we go back to acronyms, mm-hmm. which, is the- theoretically le- <laughs> yeah, which is theoretically less useful. The author of this change is unknown, but it was not Seipel or Passel, as is generally believed. At first, it was defined as a temperature at which the wind chill index would be the same in the complete absence of wind. This led to equivalent temperature that exaggerated the severity of weather. Charles Egan realized that people are rarely still and that even when it is calm, therefore some air movement. He defined the absence of wind to be an airspeed of 1.8 meters per second or roughly four miles an hour, which is about as low as a wind speed as a cup anemometer could measure. This led to more realistic, warmer-sounding values of equivalent temperature. Hmm. Yeah. So So the faster the wind was blowing, the quicker that bottle of water was freezing. Correct. That makes sense. So the North American and United Kingdom Windchill Index in November of 2001, so less than, gosh, what? No, just about 20 years. Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom implemented a new wind chill index developed by scientists and medical experts on the Joint Action Group for Temperature Indices, or JAG slash TI teams. Mm-hmm. More acronyms. Acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it is determined by um, iteration of a model of skin temperature under various wind speeds and temperatures using standard engineering correlations of wind speed and heat transfer rate. Heat transfer was calculated for a bare face in wind facing the wind while walking into it at 1.4 meters per second or 3.1 miles per hour. The model corrects the officially measured wind speed to the wind speed at face height, assuming the person is in an open field. The result of this model may be approximated to within one degree following the following formula. So it talks about then what the standard windshield formula is for environmental Canada, obviously on the metric system in the United States. When we convert it from Celsius to Fahrenheit, it changes a little bit over. So that's why it's much longer or much longer of a actual, you know, uh, formula. So I find that interesting that they involved medical professionals, too. Yes. Because of it's the windshield and stuff's effect on skin. And the way skin warms up and cools down and blah, blah, blah. And that's very interesting and smart. And that's the reason for the wind chill. Because if it's a really bad wind chill temperature and you're out there and you don't have your gloves on or you don't have anything over your nose or your ears, like, I mean, that's where frostbite and different types of things happen. I don't really know what else could happen besides frostbite. but Frostbite and then skin freezing, but that's pretty much frostbite, so... And it'll dry out your skin, and so that's how you get chapped lips. And, you know, when your nose gets all chapped and dry on the end, that also doesn't feel good. So no, all those doesn't. things come from dry, cold air blowing at your face at 20 miles an hour or whatever. So that's – yep. see, it's all together, circle of life. So. <laughs> Insert Elton John. <laughs> Insert Simba. Right. 
Watch it available on Disney Plus. No, 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 necessarily, you know, promotion there needed or granted. It's just, you know, it's where you can find it. So yeah, you can watch the live action or the old animated yes. one. By the way, oh, have you nice. had a ch- have you had a chance to uh, watch Hamilton yet? No. Bonnie, you must do it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm writing it down right now on my list. I yes. just wrote it down. Yes, you did. You got it. You got to watch it. And then you got to let me know okay. how it goes. So, okay. what do you guys have coming up forecast-wise for Oklahoma City? You know, it's back to that really fun pattern of just hot and humid again, 90s, blah, 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 boring old August in Oklahoma. It's not boring. It's Oklahoma. Yeah, that's true. I mean, give us a few days. I'm sure something will change. We'll get a snowstorm or something crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. You? Uh, you know, out here in Portland, it's kind of rinse and repeat. We had, you know, we talked about an area of maybe a, like a sharp cold front coming through. Well, it came through and we had a couple actually really heavy pop-up showers, which people complained about. Which I don't get, but whatever. Uh, High pressure has come back in. We're going to be sunny today. We're sunny through the rest of the week. We might get to be a little breezy on Monday night. Gusting as high as like 20 miles an hour. So, you know, bring in all the lawn furniture, you know, tie down your garbage can if it's uh, trash day on Tuesday morning. But uh, yeah, just rinse and repeat. Mostly sunny, mostly sunny, mostly sunny. Temperatures in the upper 80s, maybe cracking 90. And that's about it. See, quiet and boring everywhere in yes. the ocean, on land, everywhere. All it takes, though, Rossby waves, right? Waves cool. of energy will stir something up. Just takes a little bit of time. So, how can we influence that? Do we all get our fans out and <laughs> blow them up towards the sky to get some stuff to move? You know what I'm saying? What can we do? Uh, that's a really good question, Bonnie. If we knew the answer, we would not be taping podcasts. We'd be counting our dollar bills somewhere. <laughs> right whatever we'd be like diving into them you know? yes we would scrooge, scrooge McDuck. mcduck stuff absolutely yes. <laughs> cue the duck t- duck tail uh duck theme so oh, you know i love ducktales i do too i do too and i love the fact that my university of oregon marching man plays ducktales so see that is epic it is epic it is epic but another great edition of b squared your weekly weather podcast i am bobby in oregon and i'm bonnie in oklahoma and we will talk to you guys next week